Welcome to the Live Billions podcast, episode two. My name's Costa, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hello, Costa. How you going? I'm doing all right, mate. How you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. Live Billions is the podcast where we talk about game dev, games, uh, the ecosystem in Adelaide, and also Australia. So, this week we'll be interviewing Susanna Emery, who's working on a game called Hannah which is about raising awareness and helping people who are suffering from domestic violence. And we'll be having a chat with her later. Alex, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing good, mate. This is the, uh, the first video chat. Yeah. And uh, I'm just seeing my lighting is, uh, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. I got that nice, healthy blue glow. You, you look like you're in a studio. You got that warm light. <laughs> I, got, I got warm lighting here. I got fairy lights and I still come out cold you got the hyrule shield though so i got the hyrule shield to protect me i have the sword <laughs> just there in the corner <laughs> i didn't realize the sword was there <laughs> yeah dude i've also got negan's bat oh no yeah oh, no. <laughs> almost had that in the window you excited uh winter during susanna yeah man um i've known susanna for a good couple of years now um she's been a big supporter of Melonhead games on our socials and stuff like that. And uh, the first time I got to have a chat with her, um, found really found out she's a you know real avid gamer, knows knows her stuff, real real good part of the industry. Um, just a delight to talk to as well, you know, like just who you want to have around. Yeah, I'm I'm keen to, I'm keen to hear uh, her approach on you know meshing games with other. Um, you know, social games, yeah, social issues, games for good, and that sort of stuff. It's an it's an interesting and you know emerging part of uh, of games. And you know, in Australia, obviously, with what we're doing with meshing games with uh, you know medical assessment, but it's I've seen a huge movement in the US as well with the Games for Change um, uh, group as well, who are actually doing a lot of things like that as well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good that you mentioned that. Cause that's I was I'm really excited to have you guys talk for that reason. Cause you're both, mm. you know, you're working on with a medium that's been around for a good time now, but with ideas that, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, if you uh, presented them, they'd be like games isn't the way to go. Now yeah. it seems like this, it, this is one of the only ways to, you know, fully get what you're trying to do across and get that immersion going. And now nah, this is going to be an exciting chat. It's interesting, you know, how games have gone from uh, being almost scrutinized in the public because of, you know, uh, you know, shooting games and that sort of stuff and the violence associated to it. And now it's actually uh, entering this new chapter where people are looking at games as being used for tools for other things. It's like a, a shift in culture, obviously, as people have gotten older and, you know, a lot of those people who are playing those games are getting into positions of power to actually change things it's uh you know it's a it's a turning point yeah dude um yeah exactly there's a stat that i could just pull out that comes from i'm right.com that i have nothing to back it up on but i'm pretty sure i've read somewhere that you know the average age of gamers 10 years ago was like 25 and now the average age of gamers this time is 35 so mm. 10 years will be 45 yes yeah, yeah 
the the whole thinking behind it is definitely changing. Maybe we'll have the first prime minister in ten years who plays video games on a daily basis. Does, does all his, uh, his, uh, his or, her, or her or briefings over um, streams? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we get a prime minister that does that. Yeah, speed run some legislation yeah. through. Yeah. Speed running legislation. Speed run, yeah, you're writing the legislation and they're speed running at the same. I am. I am. I'm clearly getting to that age of that 35 bracket. Of, yeah. I'm cracking jokes about speed running legislation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. How's uh, how's your week been? Good, man. Um, what's your, what's the problems you're facing? What are some things that uh, you know you're you're working on at the moment? Well, the biggest problem I faced this week was I finished uh, Star Wars Racer too fast. Pod Racer? Yeah, yeah. That just came out on Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think PlayStation. And uh, yeah, dude, that, that game, I remember taking me months when I was a kid. <laughs> I did it in like, I don't know, a few hours. The credits was longer than uh, I spent playing that game. Yeah. Like, I just through it. But no, nah, that was real fun. Recommend everyone who can get that for that nostalgia hit. Um, but no, nah, seriously, what, what was I working on? I was working on um, pitch document templates. Like uh, we're getting Rooftop Renegade at that point where, you know, we, want, we, need, we need people to see it. You know, we've, we've got a release date, not a release date, but like a release window on the horizon that we're aiming towards. And we need... We need to get in contact with people. We need to put stuff together. And it's been, Pat and I have been saying, it's a, it's been a roller coaster because mm. it's the, the down parts. And when you're reading all the articles online being like, this is what you need to include. Um, you're not ready. You know, you're meant to, you know, find out all this market information that's real hard to find. And you're like, is anyone even going to play this game? Like, am I even... I mean, if it's even right, like, am I wasting everyone's time? And then comes the part where you add the pretty pictures into your pitch documents and you're like, nah, I spent, we spent two years on this project. You know, it's looking awesome. The mm. mechanics are fluid. Uh, that's clearly taken from the pitch document. The mechanics are fluid. <laughs> um, so it's, this, nah, it's, it's the, it's like, uh, you know, imposter syndrome. It's like, you're building something, you're getting good feedback, but you're still sort of in that mentality of like, is this really going to be, success? I mean, there's always that, you know, anxiety of like, is this really going to be successful or is anyone going to play it? Is anyone even going to enjoy it? So there's this, are you you're sort of facing that now? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, your, uh, your metric for success changes as well. Like, you know, when, when you first start, you're like uh, Call of Duty, like, you know, they did it, not considering the company, the giant machine that runs behind it. Um, and then, I mean, for us, or for me at least, the the metric just then changed to being like, you know, I just need people to see this game. I need people to enjoy it. You know, I just need them to play it for that first 20 minutes or something, you know, like, um, yeah, we're definitely getting into the bloody freezing in here. Like... <laughs> So hard trying to concentrate and like not shake at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's so you you you're, you're writing your pitch documents. You're writing uh, all these different things to basically market your game to publishers and uh, other relevant people that might be interested as well with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. That's cool. How many times can I say a hundred percent? A hundred percent. Um, but yeah, so that's been, it's been up and down, but what about you Costa? How's, how's mutiny front going? Uh, yeah, it's going well. Um, this week we unveiled, uh, well, we revealed a tool we've been working on called Medial, which is a, a tool that um, will benefit. Thank you. Thank you. It will benefit screenwriters and, uh, game devs alike. So it's, um, a tool that can help screenwriters and game devs write screenplays for uh, on-screen entertainment. So this is, uh, helping write, games or stories that are multi-paths so follow different directions um, and for game devs it's going to be particularly interesting because you can uh, there's a really cool feature called uh, a node graph that we're working on which can basically with a couple of clicks you can plan out your entire story characters all these different things and uh, go in and really start uh, fleshing out all the uh, different aspects of the characters but you know you can just do this from a high level perspective without, um, you know, sitting there and editing and revising all this other sort of stuff. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, and it's also sort of what underpins our game that we're working on Warpack. Um, it allows to actually for, for game devs and, and, and other people to capture information about the game, the game and the players interactions with the game, and then understand uh, if they're developing cognitive impairment, you know, if their memory is impaired or basically understand and map their cognitive functions, which is really cool for, you know, games for medical uh, industry. So we, we revealed that uh, today and we've uh, yeah been sort of planning out the next steps with uh, Wolfpack in. We had a huge design shift from 3D into this sort of pseudo 2D, 3D um, design where the characters are 2D and the backgrounds are 3D pre-rendered. Um, and, you know, we, we found out that you know, this was a good approach because we were having some performance issues on mobile devices and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's that's been the week so far. Dude, you are so good at pitching. Like, <laughs> even that wasn't a pitch. Like, I don't know, it just flows out of you. Like you, you smashed out you know, what your, what mutiny is doing, what media is doing, what it's for. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh yeah. Like, perfect. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I can help, I can help you on your page if you want. I would love that. Um, no, if, dude, cause I, the same, well, the same goes, uh, you know, the same goes for anyone uh, listening. If, if anyone uh, wants help with, uh, you know, any, business stuff or pitching and everything, just feel free to reach out to, to myself or Alex and, you know, we'll be happy to help with that. Absolutely. Whatever, whatever help I can be. Whatever help we can both be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, onto, back onto medial. Um, uh, as the bad friend I am, I only got to see the first pictures of it just before because it got lost in my Discord. <laughs> but, um, dude, when, when I saw the Node stuff, like, you, you know, I heard you talk about media before and I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I'm like, wait, you got nodes. Like every, like I just said to you before, the future is node based, like, <laughs> yeah. especially coming from unreal. Um, and you know, dabbling with, uh, blueprints. Yeah. 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 Blueprints and Houdini. Um, even stuff like mail platforms now are starting to, uh, all be blueprint spaghetti code. Yeah. Um, have you come across that term yet? Spaghetti, spaghetti code. Yeah, of course. Good, good. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. I mean, I think um, you know it'll it'll be a lot easier to 
to, to write things and plan things and, and delegate things to, to your team members. And, um, you know, I, I we envision um, Meteor to be that tool that can be all throughout pre-production through and then through to production. You know, it, it can, you can write stories, characters, and then export them directly into Unity or Unreal, which is something that's, that's really good. And, and there's a couple of other tools out there, but what we found is those tools aren't, uh, they're not, they're not great with, this uh, this cohesion between the script that you're writing and the and the nodes that are there and it's just yeah it's a bit of a mess all the other tools out there that we've seen so yeah we're really excited to unveil it and then you know uh, spin up early access in a couple of weeks or months we'll have to see <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the near future yeah 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 nah dude that's awesome I'm I'm so excited to see this goes as someone who doesn't read this is gonna be uh, really <laughs> yeah. exciting for me <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's it that's it that's it alright cool uh, next up we'll be interviewing Susanna I almost feel like we need to have like a like a Mr. Rogers like who's at the door so yeah. we this is no, the country no. that did not grow up with Mr. Rogers but <laughs> I don't know need that transition <laughs> Susanna Emery welcome thanks for having me on oh thank you for coming on very glad to have you um before we get started something uh costa knows coming um i just wanted to say i think you got probably one of the best business cards i've seen in the industry i don't know if it's still your business card but i got it from you a couple of years back but <laughs> I, it is literally one of the best cards i've seen like uh for people listening it's it's like it's got your you know your info on it standard stuff but then on the back it's got like a the mini CV, but it's like done in power ups. Like it's RPG cards or like a card game sort of thing. And I, oh, I everyone, when we, we talk business cards, I always mention I've got this one card that's done like a card game RPG and just so cool. Awesome. Thank you. How cool would it be if a bunch of us got those cards and we could play like off each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, a trading yeah. card game. <laughs> the SA games industry card game. Yeah. You have to build the, the perfect team. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. So for everyone out there, this is Susanna Emery. She's uh, working currently at UniSA as a lecturer of game design and digital media. And um, yeah, in the creative industries, which I think got a revamp started this year. Um, also international uh, women in games ambassador and uh, believe in 2015, you won the regional rural and remote innovation award. Oh yeah. I think, well, you got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> totally that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, being, I mean, we'll get into, I guess, all of that as we go through, but yeah, interested to know, you know, what's your, how's your journey started from, game development, you know, where'd you get your start in there to how you're currently working now towards your PhD? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of like a bit of a weird path for me because when I was really little, I wasn't that into playing games. Um, I didn't really like, I'm not really a big fan of shooty games or car games and kind of that was what was around a lot in the eighties and, you know, when I was growing up. Um, but I did really like to read choose your own adventure novels. 
Um, and then, like, you know, I'd stay up all night reading the Choose Your Own Adventure, trying to get all the different outcomes that I possibly could, trying to see what I could do to my character and not die and take, you know, can I be really, really super risky here? I'm going to risk this um, and then risk it and then pretend I didn't go down that path and go back and try and get a good ending. And, and I would play for hours and, well, I would read for hours. And really, when you think about it, what we're actually kind of doing is, is really playing that. It, it's like the game. Um, and yeah. as I started getting older, I started to realize that like, oh, like this is pretty cool. There are games like this. Not all games are the same. And as the games industry started to grow and branch out a bit more, um, it got more fans and I was one of them because I could see that, you know, games could be stories too and we could be doing so much cool, interesting stuff in them and was really impressed by that. Um, yeah. Then I kind of started like I went to uni and I did an undergrad in something that was called interactive multimedia, <laughs> which uh, was kind of like game design, but, you know, a little bit less less gamey. So it had like websites and things like that. Um, oh, yeah. I think I would have done a few of those as well. The Like the, the base, like they teach you the Adobe suite and all those kind of things. Yeah. And there was a class in like director where we made a mini game and mini 2D game oh, in director. Wow. <laughs> and that was my first ever game that <laughs> um and then uh, I finished that and I was like oh I don't really know what to do there's kind of not much around so I went into teaching and I, I went out uh, to a remote Aboriginal community and I was teaching out there in the Northern Territory and I had uh, all these kids that weren't coming to school and I was like oh how do I get them to come to school and they're like school's boring we don't want to come to school it's boring and I was like, oh, I need to make school more interesting so that kids actually want to come. So I started looking at like the Australian curriculum, which is what you teach kids in primary school and how to maybe make it like a bit more game related. So um, I started, the first thing that I did was I started doing wee bowling in, uh, instead of maths. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, cool, let's turn off the auto scoring and we'll all have a bowl and we'll talk about what score we've gotten. So how many like pins were there? How many did you hit down? Let's take that away. And we learned subtraction that way. Um, and then, you know, we all took turns wow. and we did it. Yeah. And like, it, you should see like how many kids started coming to school because they wanted to do wee bowling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, a, then, that's an interesting approach. Thank you. Um, it works really, really well. And, and I think it's just about, you know, finding what, what's fun and like learning should be fun. Like, you know, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a lecturer, but like learning should be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was that, um, that approach, was that, uh, was it sort of like inspired, inspired by, cause you, cause if you're in the teaching in the rural area, I imagine it's the smaller, smaller schools than what you're finding here in the city. So you'd have probably more of like a, personal one-on-one connection with uh students out there more than you're afforded in here so was part of like that uh, like inspired inspired you to you know develop that uh add games into it sort of definitely it's like um because kids are they're they're in smaller schools like that you've got the opportunity to get to know them and you i was saying why aren't you coming to school why is it boring oh because i'm gonna stay home and play gta (laughs) (laughs) they're like okay well you know we can't really put that in school but (laughs) you can't do mathematics with gta much yeah (laughs) how many pedestrians are you hitting (laughs) (laughs) but like we could i could go oh cool they're playing games Sweet, let's give this thing a go. So and that then was, on, then, yeah, no, go ahead. 
no sorry I was just gonna say and then that that led into like a lots of other game things too so like in English we were doing um they were learning about persuasive language so we tried like I tried having somebody play as Mario and someone play as Luigi and the Luigi person face the other way and the Mario person have to tell them what to do so you know let, let's try and play this co-op game and tell each other what to do oh wow interpret language and yeah. stuff like that so yeah it just turned out really cool and then I was like this is this is where it's at this is cool what can so I do it, so it's all about that embedding uh like you sort of started off as as just looking at it as a problem from a teacher's perspective of like how do I get students to come and you know enjoy learning and so then you actually just used games that already existed as yeah. learning tools that's amazing I think that's and really that cool there's like so much like when I was doing when I started doing my PhD and my honors before I found that there's actually so much in common with game design and education theory mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a game designer and you wanted to be a teacher and you started studying you'd be like oh my god I already know this stuff yeah. and the same the other way around like if you're a teacher you wanted to learn game design you'd be like wow because essentially what it is is like let's present this information now you're recalling that information as a player and you're applying it in some way. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just like in Mario, we teach you how to jump on bad guys and what do you have to do when you get to Bowser, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly power. right. Yeah. It's so the it's same a, as it's, like, Yeah, you're learning your skills and then you're sort of, it's, it's like the game mechanic. You actually learn it and then you have to apply it. It's, yeah, it's actually exactly like education. It is. It's just like such a same. And like there's this really famous quote by this um, this game design academic named um, John G. And he essentially says, like, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something like when you play Halo and you finish Halo, you tell someone I finished Halo. They don't say, well, go and do a test in Halo because <laughs> we trust that. If you've finished Halo, then you know you've tested yourself in Halo. And you've yeah. applied everything you learned. Like we don't give you a halo test. Yeah. So you know, why are we giving people an algebra test? Like the teaching yeah. should be enough. To that's, that's, a, that's a really good way of thinking of it. It's like that learn and relearn and you're doing it as you go. And as opposed to like cram everything and then, you know, just test it. And then that two, whatever that two hour test is how you assess how well someone's done in actually learning something as opposed to going ongoing testing, which is something you can do through games. Exactly. And like those exams, like I feel like all they test is how good are you at exams? Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How good are you at, you know, cramming everything, revising and then recalling it as, as you know, as much as you can, which some people, you know, a lot of people suffer from because you know, the, I guess the people who do so well are the ones who have, you know, photographic memory or have actually yeah. just sat there and, yeah, yeah. Learn everything. And I'm, I'm awful at exams. I can't do same. exams at all. Like same, I chose, same. I chose subjects in my undergrad purely because they didn't have exams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is me. That is me for sure. Yeah. I think I went into my uh, year 12 art exam thinking it was my English exam and then oh my sit God. down and I'm like, Frank Lloyd, right. Oh no, I, I am, I am boned. <laughs> and I guess the other thing as well with this being a way more like dynamic approach to teaching is uh, we're finding now with games that are coming out, like, um, uh, you know, classic example being like a Zelda game, traditionally linear, which you could say is like the, you know, traditional education system. You know, if you, you don't know maths, okay, well tough, 
drill that into your head 15 times until you get it. It's the same as those games. You can't get past the water temple. Tough. Keep doing it until you do it. Now you got your latest Zelda games, uh, your open world. So there isn't one way to get to the end. It doesn't matter how you got there. As long as the result was, is, is the, the desired result, you know, how, how you get there. Which, yeah, that's a really interesting idea. Yeah. So yes, hearing this stuff of, you know, different approaches to learning. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's like some education theory. Um, there's this guy called Gardner and he's got this idea about multiple intelligences and basically it says everybody learns differently. And like, we kind of know that now, but like when this came out in like, I think it was the seventies, it was pretty, whoa, like that, that's really amazing. But what you're saying, something like Zelda is like people who have those multiple intelligences who play in different ways, they can kind of maybe play the game in the way that they want to and still get that same winning outcome rather than having to, to kind of play it the same way. So it's fine. Yeah. They find their own approach to, to doing it and what works for them, but it's still the desired outcome. Mm. And that's, that's really that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's really that's cool. That's a good thing that came out of like the whole like game of gate and all that awful time that we had there um, is people saying, well, people play games differently and not everybody's the same. So, mm. you know, we can design games that are different. Um, I mean, people are still going to say, you're still going to have people challenging what a, a game is, but really, like, there's so many different things that a game could be that as long as people are enjoying it and playing it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly that reminds, right. It reminds me of something real quick. It's probably me oversharing and it's embarrassing, but I've told so many people that I, I love this story now. Is um, when I was, that just reminded me, when I was younger, like when I was like four, um, we used to have a duck pond near us. And as a result of that, I used to just call all birds ducks. Like my nunna and all that would have chickens and stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, ducks and stuff like that. And then it started to worry my teachers. Um, and they were like, oh, we think, you know, Alex might have some learning problems and stuff like that. And mom used to tell the story of like walking me home from kindy and being like, it doesn't matter if, if you're slow or whatever, I'll still love you. I have no idea this is going on. Um, and they didn't, they, they took me to get tested because they didn't want to test if I was smart. They wanted to test how slow I was. Um, and uh, I remember some of the questions and it was rigged like out of my control. Like there was no way I was coming out that good, but it turned out it wasn't that at all. And then I drew this map of driving from my place to my Nunna's place all across town and it included all this stuff that I thought didn't matter. Like the ABC building and all this stuff. And they were like, oh, okay, he's just, looking at things a bit differently, you know? Yeah. Games, I think, can really, you know, bring that out. And it's interesting because you, yourself, Susanna, you've gone from, you know, making games, uh, well, using pre-existing games for learning and that sort of stuff, and now into uh, making your own game with uh, Hannah. Um, and both of them sort of, oh, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about it, but both of them sort of about learning, you know, um, and you've gone from using a game as a tool and now you're actually building one. What is it that um, sort of, that's sort of, you know, uh, changed and for you to be uh, making a game as opposed to just using it as a tool and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah, so again, that, that goes right back to um, that school and the work that I was doing with the kids there. And uh, kind of, we were playing these games, but, um, I was in a remote indigenous community and the kids there were Ananu and they didn't 
see themselves in any games. Mm-hmm. There were no games with Ananu. There were no games that had kind of their culture or their experiences or their learnings in them. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like we could work together and make something that, that worked? So um, I went back to uni and I started an honours research degree. And in that, I worked with the community and we made this game design that was uh, cross-cultural collaboration. So essentially what it did is it took the Australian curriculum science, which is the learnings that all children in Australia have to do for science, and it took um, the Ananu, some Ananu learning too that they do in um, with their stories, so they teach through story. Mm-hmm. And it took a, a cultural story that um, they were, I was lucky enough to have shared with me, and we combined that together to create this narrative um, about these two children who went on a journey um, and they explored the riverbed. They learned about science. They also learned the Ananu story. Mm-hmm. And they had different skills and the player could switch between them. So if you were playing as the Ananu girl, you could uh, find bush tucker and you could feed and you could, you know, find the food that they needed. If you switched to the boy, you could read the English signs really, really well mm-hmm. and things like that. So you, you played through the game kind of using those values and, and learning the the importance of both of those values and how you can work together. Um, it was really cool because the kind of those characters, they had this, this cross cultural collaboration mm. and that was really a metaphor mm. for like the whole game design process that we did. Yeah. Did you find that there was a, uh, you know, an, an extra level of connection obviously between um, the students that are playing and then the game being culturally relevant as well? Definitely. Um, so in the end, we didn't get we we didn't get enough funding to get the whole game made, but we made a prototype, um, and then we ended up using um, actually The Sims Four, and we made like a little machinima trailer. <laughs> yep. So you know we made the characters, and and they could see um, the characters, and the kids helped design the characters, and mm-hmm. they could see it all reflected in the trailer, and and everyone was really really happy with yeah with it because it just again it just had that that level of connectedness and. Like it's, it's so hard. Like if you, if you think about it, like imagine living in a community and being taught these things and none of the resources really, and nothing that's designed reflects you or your community mm. or your values. Like that must just be so hard. Yeah. It's just so cool that we can use something like, like games to, to really do that. Is that why it is? Is that, is that why you would say games is particularly that tool that can do that? I think so. Um, games are so great because, like, we have, like, lots of people say our oh, games are interactive, and that's true, but, like, there's lots of other stuff that's interactive too. So, you know, people will argue that when you choose your own adventure books, that's interactivity, or when you play Bandersnatch, that's interactivity. Mm. Um, and it is. But I think, like, one of the really cool parts about games and probably the thing that makes them the most relevant too is that in games you can design it so that, well, the player reacts to the game world. The game world can also react to the player. Mm-hmm. So we can change the state of the game world, we know as designers, as well as t- based on the player's choices, um, which is probably what makes games unique and, and I think gives them more power than, say, some other mediums as well. Yeah, for sure. I agree, definitely. It's, 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 uh, it's the way of uh, having that interactivity that you just can't get from even, you know, multi-path um, stories like Bandersnatch and that sort of stuff. Yeah, you can just sense that and, and you can make those changes to the game world. And 
it doesn't always have to be the game world changing, but sometimes it's the player changing too. So mm-hmm. it's things like, um, you know, in the Walking Dead series, when they say things like Clementine will remember this, yeah, it makes you as a player go, oh, my choices matter. I need to consider them more carefully. Yeah. So, you know, just little changes in the game world like that can change you as a player as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that whole Telltale series of, of Walking Dead games. The, the, the weight that each decision has that you make, is, it's, you know, it reflects onto you and you feel for the characters and it actually just, I feel like, it increases how interested and how uh, you know, keen you are on everything that's going on in the game. Exactly. And like as designers, we know that a lot of those choices that you make don't actually affect the game directly but they affect who you are as a person in the game. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you choose to do one thing, if you're Lee and you choose to do something awful, you suddenly make Lee an awful person. Mm. Mm-hmm. But if you're a super kind person, then in the story, Lee is a super kind person. So you have, like, all of this power, yeah. not only to change the game world, but to change who you are in that game world. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, in terms of now you're working on Hannah, um, could you... You know, to talk a little bit about that for the viewers who don't uh, know what it is, and also when can we expect to see it released and on what platforms? And yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so Hannah's been in progress for a while. Um, it's a big project, um, academically, so it's had uh, Curtin University and University of South Australia involved. Um, we've done lots and lots of research into domestic violence, and essentially, what Hannah's designed to do is help family and friends support people who are experiencing domestic violence. So when we decided that we wanted to make a game about that, the first thing we had to do was do lots and lots of research into domestic violence in Australia, what's happening there, um, what family and friends are doing, and if that's helpful. And essentially what we found was that family and friends really want to help people who are experiencing domestic violence, but most people don't really know how to help. And mm-hmm. lots of people were saying things like, oh, if it's a really bad situation, you should just leave. You should get out. Mm-hmm. And that sounds helpful. But if you're stuck in a domestic violence relationship, you might not be able to leave. There might be lots of reasons that are keeping you there or that are preventing you from, from leaving. And people who were unable to leave found that really hard to hear. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like, oh, well, you know, you must not be taking it seriously then. Um, you must not care, you must not want my help, when really what people needed is support. Mm-hmm. And so lots of people who are experiencing domestic violence um, unfortunately have really low self-esteem as a result of what they're experiencing. So the support that people found most useful was support that helped them rebuild their self-esteem. So it's saying things like uh, being supportive of people, not being judgmental, um, letting them know that they deserve to be treated well. All of these little things that allow them to rebuild their self-esteem and then gain access to support services. Mm-hmm. So what we did with Hannah is we looked at stories of people who have experienced DV and come out the other side. Um, so survivors, we call them survivors. We looked at their stories and we wrote this narrative um, for the game based on that. And then I thought about, we thought about the best format for the game. And I didn't really want the story to be dictated too much by the player because in the real world, if somebody's experiencing domestic violence, 
you can't control what's happening to them. They're out of control. The situation's out of control. But what you can do is support them. So your goal in Hannah is support. And I don't want to give away too much of the narrative because I hope people will play it. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> but, for sure. We'll definitely check it out. <laughs> but essentially your goal is to support Hannah. And um, there's lots and lots of academic research into the way that we've designed the game. So basically every single design decision in the game is justified and backed up by academic research. It's taken like four years. <laughs> yeah, I, <guess. laughs> I like, bet it would have taken, yeah, so long just to get that, the testing and, and the, the approval from, you know, all these different sort of universities and stuff. Yeah, so we had to go through things like ethics approval, which yeah. allow us to tell the stories. Um, mm -hmm. And we're actually doing an evaluation process at the moment with um, the social workers who work with people experiencing domestic violence as well as um, game designers to get some of their feedback as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, once that evaluation process is done, uh, we're going to hopefully fix those things and improve it a bit more. And then uh, we're hoping to release on Android um, by the end of the year, which Perfect. is fast approaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I believe you're in uh, closed testing now. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any assistance that you need? from anyone listening or you know is there any way people can get involved to help you out or yeah sure so if you're um we're really looking in the closed testing period we're really looking for people who have experience working with those who might be experiencing domestic violence or people who have experience in game design um particularly in any kind of area of game design really who might like to give some some feedback and some support on that that would be excellent just uh, get in touch and we can add you to the evaluation list <laughs> Perfect. Is there so, any other, uh, where, where can people find out about this project and you know, get in touch? Yeah. So we've got a, a Twitter handle. I think it's Hannah underscore game underscore AU. Um, but if you Google Hannah game and maybe my name, Susanna Emery, I think you should be able to find like this is an ABC news story. There's a few things that, um, hopefully should come up and, and let you find out more, but, there will be more around it um, when we, we get there. But my big focus now is on trying to get it all finished. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's everyone's yeah, goal, isn't it? <laughs> we'll definitely post the, post the links where we can on, on our posts. So um, uh, a question on that is, uh, so the, the game, it's, is it aimed at um, both the survivors and the people to help? Like, will they both pull something different from it? Um, or is it aimed at, uh, one more than the other. Yeah. So, I mean, like what, what I, what we tried to do with it is people who are in abusive relationships, they find it sometimes find it difficult to identify what's going on. So in Hannah, friends and family can play and then hopefully provide that support in the real world. So it's really aimed at anybody. Um, and I mean, Unfortunately, domestic violence is so common in Australia that's actually really devastating. So most people are likely to know somebody experiencing domestic violence in their life. Yeah. So what we're hoping here is that um, so some of the uh, domestic violence centres have been really, really helpful and they've let us know that they're willing, they're very willing to share Hannah with the friends and family of people who are experiencing DV. Um, but we, I also think that my goal for Hannah is also that anyone can pick it up and play it and then apply those skills if they need to in the real world. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like a bit of a sandbox because you can go in, you can play around and games are really cool for that as well, because there's kind of not this 
potentially negative effect that you might get in the real world. So we were talking about things that you could say to somebody experiencing DV and I was saying how saying something like, why don't you just leave can be really, really harmful. Mm. And if you don't know that and you say that to somebody and it could be really harmful, you don't quite know what's going on and the negative effects. Um, But if you say that to Hannah, because it's a game, I can do things like she'll send you a dislike you know what I mean? And it'll yeah. say, and then the game can say to you, hang on, you know, you might want to think about that. We can do these things. We can kind of interject. We've got this kind of extra system level that we can play with that mm. real world relationships don't have. And there's this social clues in the way that she responds to you too, that, that leads you to believe things. And the actual, your relationship with Hannah will change based on how much she trusts you based on the, the choices that you make. So then in the real world, if you play Hannah, if you finish Hannah, same as Halo, you don't need to take Hannah tests. You finished Hannah. You've yeah. got a pretty good understanding, yeah. we would hope, yeah. that you can, can help somebody who's experiencing this to rebuild that self-esteem and to understand that they can't do it alone, they need support, and here's how to get started. You can't solve it, but you can help develop that relationship and help strengthen that support network around that person. That's perfect. And it's exactly how you said before with, um, you know, learning and relearning and you've got that, that way of basically teaching the person that's playing the game, what to do and what not to do and what the actual effects of their actions are mm. on the person that is, um, you know, suffering. Mm, you've got that behavior modeling there. And we talked about things like I thought, I thought about having a fail state and I thought, I don't want to have a fail state in this game. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't have a fail state, but we have continued system information that will tell you that you're playing the game in the wrong way. So if you want to play the game the wrong way, you can. That's your choice. Some people like to play a game just to break it, mm-hmm. but you know yeah. that's why you're playing it that way, and it will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and you can go back and play it the right way if you yeah. want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. Awesome. And and now you're, I mean, you're involved. How long have you been involved at the uni, at University of South Australia for? Um, so I was teaching digital media for a few years, um, but we were lucky enough this year to start the game design major in the Bachelor of Creative Industries, which is really, really cool for the awesome. state. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, awesome thing that happens. Um, so yeah, I started that in January and we've just finished the first class in that degree, which is really, really exciting. How have you seen the, uh, the newcomers, you know, grasping game development? Is it, you know, is it difficult for them? Is it... Yeah, is what's the sort of approach with that? Everyone's so smart. I'm so impressed. Yeah, that's good. Good <laughs> signs. Like, I really wanted to have people like first first term, first year game design. You know, a lot of the time is just theory, but I really wanted to have us doing some some prac. So everybody did a, a twine game. Everybody made a twine game. Yeah. Nice, perfect. And they've done such really amazing creative stuff. Actually, um. There's a little art gallery on, I think it's Curry Street, um, called Arthur. And for Sala, the South Australian Living Artists Festival, they're actually going to display some of the students' games that they've made um, in the, the art gallery as little QR codes that people can just scan and, and play when they're visiting. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, like, students have done work that's so great that it's going to be in an art gallery in their first term. 
That's yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, I was just going to say the next thing that I was going to ask actually was about, it's good that they've already got, you know, industry experience. I mean, well, they've already been able to show something to the public. Is it, is this degree or are the classes encouraging students to start their own companies and, you know, do their own thing or is it more go out and get a job? Yeah. So again, like, like what I kind of tried to do when I, when I thought about it, when we were working on this is um, we're really lucky to be in partnership with Mighty Kingdom mm -hmm. um, and also Epic. So like, oh, I don't wow. think really think of like any two better kind of people to mm. be supporting us, but essentially like with those two partners, with those two, the support of those two, two groups, what we can kind of do is provide opportunities for both. Mm -hmm. So we can say, this is how things work in studio. This is how things might work if you're going to be an indie. Mm -hmm. And like the, the end goal of the degree for me is to say, here's how you can prototype games inside Unreal. Um, you know, you can work in teams. You can start doing all of this stuff. You're game designers. You can prototype your own game. That's like a really good opportunity to take that to a publisher, take that to an expanded team, take that to a Kickstarter. Um, it's really giving you that opportunity and the skills that you need to be able to go and work in at Mighty Kingdom or somewhere mm. else as a graphic designer or producer as well. Is there is also there also some level of like uh, management or team, you know, somewhere where they can sort of understand uh, about managing a team, or is it more you you get that by the experience and through the lessons that you're you're working on? Yeah, well, that's actually another thing that I think is really special about this program. And that was actually um, Dan, who you had last <laughs> time, who, who, who helped with this. But um, we've got a class who that really focuses on like Agile and Scrum. Yeah, and that, perfect. And that, that works together as a team stuff. And we've actually got, uh, we're going to get this really cool um, professional in that area to, to help with that class because it's, I think it's really, really important. And those are skills that I don't have, but mm. I think that would be so valuable if I did have. Mm. Yeah. So being able to bring that in and have people understand like what's involved and how to manage your team and how to get the most out of your time, how to do all those production things would be mm. something that designers could really, really use. Yeah, that's great because yeah. we we have a lot of um, we have a lot of good uh, game art uh, courses around the place like um, CDW, Flinders, uh, TAFE, stuff like that. But uh, and and the the CDW ones, they, they've won the rookies awards was it two or three years in a row, but there's definitely that gap of the business side. Um, and they, they've touched on them in the past of like, you know, what to expect when you're, you're starting this stuff, but nothing really comprehensive, especially nothing about managing teams and, uh, you know, conversations and plannings and stuff like that, that, uh, wouldn't happen if you were just going straight to, a larger company or something like that, which is still hard to get. So something like this is really important and really great to see that's happening. And yeah, we're so lucky to have like Mighty Kingdom's input and like how do they run these things and like mm. they're so willing to support us and provide feedback so we can make sure it's like as industry relevant as possible too. Like rather than, you know how sometimes like you just get taught one thing and then you go and try it in real life and it's totally different. Yeah. 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 Especially <laughs> with something like game development where it's so agile, like soft, even software changes every couple of years. Like, so the education has to update just as quick. Exactly. And you might find like, you know, you learn flash or something and then the next year. Yeah, exactly. I will find a use for action script one day. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that's, I mean, I guess all these skills are stuff that if you haven't gone through a course like that, you learn on the, you know, on the job. Um, and it's always, you know, that learning curve, you have to learn all these new systems. You have to learn, you know, you, you only learn once you screw up a bunch of times anyway. So it's definitely good that this degree and these courses will at least set you up so that you can, you know what to expect when you're going into this sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a thanks. I think it's really good. Hopefully, um, hopefully we'll achieve that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, so you mentioned that, you know, this was obviously a problem for yourself when you had started, it's, you know, this project management stuff. Are there any other sort of problems or challenges that you've faced in becoming a game developer? And also, how do you see that with the students coming in as well? Yeah, so for me, um, it was pretty hard because I'm a terrible, terrible artist. I cannot draw. And I'm also a really bad coder. Yeah. So <laughs> generally when you think about, lots of people think about game development, they think about coders or artists. They don't, they don't think about designers. And it was a long time before I even realized kind of what a game designer was and, and what I could do. And um, I think, you know, like the, the game industry is so cool and, one of the reasons that like I wanted to be there is because I'm a person who has like so many different interests all the time and I'm always changing what I'm interested in mm -hmm. that game design is like an opportunity for you to kind of explore all of the things that you like or all of the things that you're interested in mm -hmm. and then, then put them into a game. It's not like an industry where you have to pick like one thing and then do that one thing for the rest of your life. It's like, mm -hmm. cool. You want to learn about ancient Rome? Let's make a game about it. You want to mm -hmm. learn about, you know, anything like you can do it and make a game about it. And that's why I think it's so cool as well. So it's also actually like using games as a medium, as opposed to thinking of them as an industry. Definitely. Um, and yeah, another thing there is that like a lot of people think of games as kind of having to be this commercial output. Mm. Um, but I think like just the fact that, you know, we've got these students this year showing their games in an art gallery, like, games have like way value way above just entertainment and money. Like there's mm -hmm. so much more there, there are, and we can use them as a medium to make really cool stuff. Mm. That's yeah. That's definitely the way of thinking about it. And also, also obviously because there's this sort of shift I had mentioned earlier, a shift towards like games with social outcome and games with, uh, you know, a medical outcome. There's all these different games that are emerging like that, which is, uh, you know, fantastic to see that it's being used as a medium as opposed to thinking of games as a, you know, a billion, I mean, it is a billion dollar industry, but thinking of them purely for commercial purpose. Yeah. And I mean, it's just the same how like with film, we have like films that are, are art and, you know, then we have films that are blockbuster, like, mm -hmm. And, you know, not to say that blockbuster films can't be art and blockbuster yeah. games can't be art. Like there's heaps of really amazing games. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's different ways of doing things as well. Not everything has to always be the same. And that's the perfect way for, uh, I mean, I'd say for new newcomers and, and beginners to think about that they don't have to come in and immediately build a game uh, that's, you know, going to make them a million bucks or whatever. And I think this is something that Alex had said about uh, – you know, the expectation changing when you, when you first start game development, thinking that you can do a, a call of duty. Um, and you know, you set your expectations higher like that, but they can be used you know, games can be used for any number of things like artistic output. Yeah. Or to, you know, share social messages like Hannah yeah. or to, to teach or to, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, exactly. just like diversity too, just to share your own experiences 
and allow people to explore experiences that, you know, they might not have thought of before. They might not mm. have considered like lots of kids in Australia might not think about um, the Anunu kids and the way that they're learning. And, you know, through playing a game like that, they can experience those stories and say, well, that's a really cool story. Yeah. How amazing is it that these kids are learning through stories? Like that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's super important for diversity, I think. And you've perfectly, you know, encapsulated that in terms of how the interactivity and the fact that people get way more involved when they can, um, you know, they can actually see themselves in the game. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, yeah, something good that, that, you know, hopefully we'll just keep on improving and improving is adding more diversity into the industry. And mm. as more and more people realize like, cool games are worth interesting yeah. investing my time into and, and playing with and yeah. giving away, like we'll just get even cooler games. Like yeah. There's, no, yeah, exactly. there's no lose by increasing yeah. as players we're winning as well. You know, we get to play them and enjoy yeah, all these yeah. new things as well. Yeah, for sure. And the, uh, like how accessible they are now, like it's no longer buy an $800 console. It's I've already got a phone in my pocket. I have a console. Uh, you're seeing it with VR becoming more and more, you know, part of the, uh, what do you call like the mainstream, like AR, like it's like the future is like interactive. And especially as we found with, um, if I'm being in lockdown, like there are going to be times where we will need to, you know, resort to these digital worlds. So yeah, the diversity on that part as well is very important. Mm. Mm, definitely. And then like games, like phones are the main places where people play games now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as a, as a developer and also a lecturer, what are you, what are your thoughts on the ecosystem, particularly here in Adelaide? Like are we miss, what are we missing or what do we have? That's really good. And you know, what do you think? I think we're doing really well. How cool is that stuff that SAFC is doing now? Yeah. Amazing yeah. stuff. Amazing Great stuff. Work, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think we're really lucky. I think for a long time there, we were all going, Oh, Melbourne. And we were all coveting Melbourne and we were all dreaming of moving yeah, to yeah. Melbourne and getting some Victoria grants. And you know, yeah. now I think like things are starting to get pretty cool here. I reckon we're just going to keep getting better. I reckon we're in a really, really good place. Yeah, yeah. In, I agree. in like five yeah. or ten years, we're going to look back and go, "Oh wow, you know, we were right." To, yeah, to <laughs> it's almost yeah. like the beginning of a new chapter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why I try. Cool companies and like everyone's so willing to help each other. Yeah, you know, like we've had like guest lecturers like from a bunch of places and Mighty Kingdom come in and like you know everybody's just so willing to share what they know and nobody's like, "I'm not telling you what I know," like you know, just, just being open. And yeah. I think that's just what we need. Yeah. Yeah. I think sure. that's definitely a, a shift in mindset that's happening of like the rising tide lifts all ships. Like if, if a six, one developer team in Adelaide success is like a big success for all of us. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's really important. And, you know, we can, we're, we're all doing something a bit different too, which is, is I think really cool as well. Yeah. yeah from each other and that's the one of the beauties of the indie market of being like you know we're, we're not working on these halo blockbusters or something like that so where it's 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 never feels like a competition it's like it's not like well i've got one game to play for the summer it's like i'll buy this game i'll grab this one um yeah like they even bundle them you know you get humble bundle bundling aussie developers together 
Um, and that's just going to grow, as you said, with everything that's happening. Yeah, and just seeing what other people are doing and, like, I just think that's really, really valuable. Like, the you know, like, when you're when you want to make games, like, what do you do? You play lots of games and you see what's mm-hmm. happening and then you, you take those ideas and you add new yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do you have any, um, I know we, we started this sort of last week with Dan, he's told us a wacky game dev story. Do you have any wacky game dev stories you want to tell us or tell the, the audience? Yeah. <laughs> wacky. Wacky is a word I've never heard Costa use in real life. So really, yeah, that could be <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, anything interesting that you think you know people might um, be something that they can learn from, or they can uh, you know an experience you've had. Um, well, I think like for me, um, the doing the game design with the remote community was like oh, this really really cool thing that I got to do, and I didn't really know much about kind of the storytelling but like what we what I got to do was like go out and have a big bonfire with the community and Mm. listen to these amazing stories that like you would never know like unless you were there you would never know the story Um, I heard this this story about the this giant snake who lived in a mountain and one day the snake got really really thirsty so he drank up all of the water and then the river was dry so it's essentially the Mm. story about like global warming and like all mm-hmm, these mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. and how the, the rivers dry up and and all of this stuff and like it just fits so well with like you know what what we know but in a narrative format so mm-hmm. that, that was just an amazing experience like getting to to go out there and share the stories and and be a part of that and I think like for me like sometimes like not everybody's lucky enough to do that but like if you play a game where something like that happens, it, it's kind of like you're there. Like mm. you get to experience mm-hmm. these things and you get to do these things. So like sometimes, you know, you might play a game and you might think, oh, it's not as good as it could be. But like there's so much that you can take from that. Like yeah. there's something great in in everything, I think. And like I think that that's why we're lucky in the games industry to, to kind of just be able to have all of those experiences. A friend of mine, he has a tattoo and it says, I've lived a million lives. And it has a controller. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the the perfect uh, thing to summarize a game on. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So it's just you know like uh, we just we have those opportunities to to do that to see all these things yeah. and yeah. like if you just think about like our grandparents like how how cool would they think this is if they realized yeah. that you could go to all these places and do yeah. all these things that you know you just could never do in in yeah. the real world you could never do these things and I think it's just that's just really really cool and you're actually interacting with these things that you're seeing it's not just you know you're, you're watching it and that's it mm, yeah, yeah definitely you're a part of it yeah. um monkey stack recently um posted a uh not posted sorry they had a display for the fringe um that one of my good friends worked on over there uh it was it I guess it was a game it was more interactive it was like a, a walkthrough experience of um stories from the dreaming um and it was using all these special effects like animation um projection uh just oh man there's like fire uh tornado that was it's i can't remember what the name of it's called if i can post a link i'll do that as well but that's another thing it's that just reminded me of these stories that while um you know when they're printed are beautiful 
but uh, you know, to bring it around in this age where technology is so prevalent and it's so accessible with your phones and everything like that, it's, there's almost an expectation to get that. And it brings with it a new appreciation where you, you don't, you're not reliant on just your imagination to imagine these uh, beautiful stories. It's literally presented right in front of you. Yeah, that's great. Isn't that amazing? And mm. and like some cultures, like uh, like Ananu, they they don't really write their stories down. So the stories are designed mm. to be told through imagery and through mm. you know, listening and, and things like that. So they're just told so much better through mediums like like that rather than you know the written text. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's like uh, you you're seeing you're seeing what your what has been spoken about for generations. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, how did, uh, if you don't mind asking, um, how did that opportunity present itself where you could work in the rural areas? Yeah. So, um, when I was, when I finished my teaching degree, I went out as a teacher, (laughs) as a primary school teacher and I was living in the community teaching there. And then, um, just, yeah, I went from there and I did my, my honors program through the university and was lucky enough to, to be out there and visit and yeah, live out there for a few years. So, (laughs) yeah. Was it something you had um, like prior knowledge of or was this completely new for you as well? Completely new and, and a very wow. big shock to me and, and a very big, um, mm. I didn't realise at all what life was like out there. And mm. um, I think a lot of people are like me. You just kind of don't really know um, what things are like out there, but like it's it's so amazing to just see how different things are like in, in Australia still, but it just feels like a whole nother world. Before we wrap up, what's the one piece of advice that you'd give to to our listeners or aspiring game devs? Um, live your life as live a thousand lives, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think just um, make games about things that you want to do that you love. Make games that tell stories that you want to tell. Um, you know, like if it if it's AAA success, it's a AAA success. If it's a piece of art, it's a piece of art. If one person plays and loves it, one person plays and loves it. It's about you doing what you love and telling stories that you want to tell. I think that's that's the most important thing. Fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you for coming on, Susanna. Susanna, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, yeah, just everyone out there, like look up Hannah. We'll post the links where we can. Um, also, uh, note to listeners, Adelaide Game Dev Unwind is coming back um back on july 30 at the seven stars hotel from 6 p.m um because of covid restrictions it's still limited to 60 people so get on it quick be safe though um but if you can't make it think of your fellow developers you know let someone know so you can we can get your ticket to someone else um this would be a great topic to talk about especially over there see if we can get some people um signed up to that closed testing um and also congratulations this just came out to golden age they've made it into game of the year for the rookies that's really exciting stuff for adelaide um so yeah congratulations guys